Hi everyone, uh, this is Mark and this is the Mark Hastings Experience and uh, in this podcast uh, I'm going to be talking about everything from poetry to films to uh, TV shows to books and about uh, anything and everything that inspires me and uh, I hope you like what you hear. Hi everyone, this is Mark, and welcome to another episode of the Mark Hastings Experience. And in this episode, uh, I'm actually going to be doing a review of uh, one of my favourite episodes of any television series. And uh, the episode that I'm going to be talking about today is the 15th episode of the third season of one of my favourite TV shows, Star Trek The Next Generation. And the episode that I'm talking about is entitled Yesterday's Enterprise, uh, which first aired uh, in syndication uh, in the week of February the 19th, 1990. And this episode, Yesterday's Enterprise, is considered by uh, many people as not only their favourite episode of Star Trek, um, uh, but also one of perhaps one of the the best episodes of television. Um, and quite honestly, I agree. Um, I've watched a lot of television, as you can uh, probably tell, and I've been a fan of Star Trek for my entire adult life let's just say that um i watched star trek when i was a kid mostly the movies um starring the original series um cast um but i wasn't really um a fan of the the original tv series um I'd, i'd seen a couple of episodes but it really didn't grip me um as much as it uh had done um those who had seen the series when it first premiered back in the 1960s. However, um, when I first saw um, Star Trek The Next Generation, in fact, when I first saw the episode The Best of Both Worlds Part 2, that was the episode that I first saw, and then the, um, the, the immediate uh, sequel episode, uh, which was entitled Family, um, I became an instant fan. And I believe it was in 1992 that I first saw um, The Best of Both Worlds and uh, Family. And of course, Best of Both Worlds, if you are already familiar with Star Trek The Next Generation uh, or a Star Trek fan, you know that The Best of Both Worlds is considered one of the also one of the best um, episodes of Star Trek, um, but uh, and and I was a fan of Star Trek: The Next Generation from that moment on, and I have continued to be uh, to this day. And I've watched every other uh, TV series, every episode of every um, TV series that has come after Star Trek: The Next Generation. Um, 
but it and that for, for some reason it took me a while to go back and see all of the uh, the three seasons that preceded um, the the episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation that I first saw because um, the Best of Both Worlds Part Two was the first episode of the fourth season of Star Trek: The Next Generation, and the episode that I'm talking want to talk about today, Yesterday's Enterprise, as I said, was the fifteenth episode of the third season, and it took me a while to go back to the the first, the second, and the, the third season to um, to catch up, you could say, and to to see those um, episodes. Um, however, when I did. I was absolutely blown away. Um, I remember going back and watching Encounter at Farpoint, the first episode uh, of Star Trek The Next Generation, when I bought it on VHS tape. Um, And uh, I uh, collected several of the VHS tapes of Star Trek The Next Generation uh, that that were released, and I enjoyed every one that I saw. Uh, but in the first season of Star Trek The Next Generation, like most television series, you could tell that they, the series is just trying to find its feet. Um, the, the characters are trying to find their the rhythm. The, the writers of the, the TV series are, are trying to find the identity of this new um, series, which, uh, as you may already know, Star Trek The Next Generation, as a as I explained, was a, um, a sequel series to the original Star Trek television series, but it took place um, almost 70 years, I believe, after the events of uh, the original television series. Uh, in fact, 100 years after, um, but 70 years after or, um, the events of uh, the, the Star Trek, um, the original um series uh, movies that came out um, and yeah as I say it took me a long time to to get through the, the first season the second season and into the third season and um, after season one and season two of Star Trek The Next Generation uh, with the arrival of season three um, I believe and I know that a lot of people believe that when the the um, the third season arrived um, so did um, a, an increase in the quality of the episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation the stories were um, more groundbreaking the, the writing was tighter the characterization was better not to say that the episodes preceding um, the third season weren't good there were some really good good episodes but um, overall, that the first two seasons uh, struggled um, to, I think, to find um, some kind of balance between them. There was there were there was a different there was a, a definite um, imbalance and um, a difference between episode to episode the the quality. But from the first episode of the third season all the way to the end of Star Trek: The Next Generation. Um, it really did push the the boundaries of storytelling, and one of the greatest examples of Star Trek: The Next Generation pushing the boundaries is this episode of um, 
Star Trek The Next Generation that I'm talking about today, uh, which is yesterday's Enterprise. And it is groundbreaking um, because it is telling um, a story um, involving a, um, a very... Um, uh, not seldom used because um, it is often used uh, um, because the the, the 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 story revolves around um, time travel, which is um, a uh, a story um, line that um, several uh, TV shows and movies um, ha- have taken. Um, since the beginning of uh, of cinema, you could say, when um, uh, since the the um, since the time machine by H.G. Wells uh, was written, you could say. Uh, so time travel is um, is a, a concept um, that um, several writers have have used uh, to for dramatic effect um, to uh, varying degrees of um, of success um, but uh, and of course one of the most well known um, and successful uh, movie series uh, movie trilogies involving time travel uh, would have to be of course the Back to the Future trilogy um, but and Star Trek even from the original series has um, used time travel in their episodes, um, and um, and it's always uh, I've always loved the time travel episodes of all of the um, the TV series um, uh, involving the the crew of the starships within uh, Star Trek. Um, and I've always been a fan of time travel movies and episodes in other uh, TV series. But um, in my opinion, Yesterday's Enterprise stands out among all of the, the time travel um, stories and episodes. Um, and as I said, it uh, I consider it to be one of the, the best episodes of Star Trek and also one of the best episodes of television as um, uh, several fans and uh, people who have seen the the episode uh, also agree. And why is it so good? Uh, That's a good question. So what is the story of yesterday's Enterprise? Well, um, it takes place when the Enterprise D, um, the Galaxy-class USS Enterprise NCC-1701, D, captain by Captain Jean-Luc Picard, as played by Patrick Stewart, is investigating a temporal rift that um, uh, has uh, spontaneously uh, appeared. And moments after investigating this temporal rift, which essentially is a um, a time um, distortion. Um, linking potentially linking a point um, in the, from the past to the, the present or from potentially from the present to the future but in this case this time rift this temporal rift 
is a portal from the present, which is the year um, 2366. Um, that's the, the year in which Star Trek The Next Generation uh, takes place. And it connects with a time, 22 years in the past, uh, around the year 2344. And as I said, moments after uh, investigating this temporal rift, this uh, portal, this uh, um, gateway through time, uh, the the sensors of the Enterprise um, detect... um, a vessel, another starship, coming through the rift, and as it turns out, the the starship entering from this rift is an a, an ambassador class starship, uh, which is identified immediately as the USS Enterprise NCC one seven zero one C, meaning that it was the preceding starship to the current USS Enterprise and the USS Enterprise C had been reported destroyed 22 years previously uh, near a um, an outpost of uh, a Klingon outpost of Narendra 3 uh, which was attacked by uh, the Ro- Romulan uh, three Romulan warbirds and the Romulans and the Klingons as you may know they um, in the original TV series, Star Trek, the original TV series, they were the adversaries of the United Federation of Planets, which Earth uh, was a member, um, a founding member, and Starfleet and its starships and the crews of its starships, including uh, Captain James T. Kirk of the USS Enterprise, uh, were constantly. Um, coming up against the starships of the Romulan Star Empire and the Klingon Empire and um, they would often turn up and be the the adversaries of the Federation and of the Enterprise uh, but in uh, as um, has been dramatized in several of the the, the, the movies um, the relations between the Federation and the Klingons um, had got to a point where they were um, in talks, in peace talks between one another. Um, and at the moment uh, when the attack upon the Klingon outpost of Narendra 3 happened by the Romulans, uh, the Federation and the Klingon Empire were um, very advanced in their um, diplomatic um mission to um to arrive at a state of peace between the two because the these were two um blood adversaries the klingons being a very violent um and very warmongering considered to be very warmongering um species because they are they are warriors essentially the klingon empire is a race of warriors a warrior race um, who when they begin a battle or they start a war they do not um, intend to stop until they have won the battle or won the war and when they start a fight against an adversary such as the federation 
they have no plans to to stop this um but uh in preceding um stories uh chronological stories uh, you could say um especially during the time of the the original star trek um movies uh featuring william shatner and deforest kelly and james Doohan and the 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 uss enterprise uh crew uh the klingons uh, at one point during the the movies one of the movies uh star trek 6 the undiscovered country the uh the klingons and the federation were um at more or less at peace or they were they were on the path to peace but um as is um as is shown that the klingons and the federation um and starfleet that the their um the peace between them has always been tenuous um and um they have been at peace uh for long periods but then at war um and um but the the klingons for the most part at the time of the star trek the next generation the 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 klingons and the federation are at peace um and we see this uh symbolized in the crew member lieutenant uh wharf um who's um played by michael dawn um and he is the uh, tactical officer of the USS Enterprise and he is a Klingon uh, he was saved as a as a small child uh, when um, the outpost where he lived was uh, attacked and destroyed and he was saved by his and he was adopted by human parents and uh, he serves as a very prominent and important officer aboard the USS Enterprise D and he is a symbol uh, essentially of peace between the, the Klingons and the Federation. Um, however, at the moment that the USS Enterprise C travels through this temporal rift, this time rift from the year 2344 to the year 2366, the entire, uh, all of reality changes in an instant lieutenant wharf who was previously to this point the tactical officer of the enterprise is nowhere to be found um the the uh uniforms of the crew of the enterprise change slightly the 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 bridge of the enterprise changes radically um and the disposition of the crew of the Enterprise changes, um, including Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Um, and now the Enterprise D, which uh, w- was equipped with weapons, but they were mostly uh, intended to be defensive um, because the Enterprise D was mostly uh, an exploratory or a, a, a scientific vessel. Um, now, in this this timeline that uh, uh, is created within the blink of an eye, um, immediately after the Enterprise C um, uh, arrives in the year twenty three sixty six, 
this all changes and the Enterprise now is a warship. Um, it's the first galaxy class starship, but it's more considered more of a warship than an exploratory um, vessel. Um, and of course the crew of the Enterprise uh, have no idea that ha- anything has changed. Um, but we, the viewer, uh, know, we noticeably see that things have changed. Um, and it, it patterns immediately after the arrival of the Enterprise C. And it, 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 yeah, it's an immediate radical change stylistically. Um, and, uh, and the, but the most prominent change is that in the place of Lieutenant Worf, who's played by Michael Dorn, there now stands um, the character of Tasha Yar. And Tasha Yar uh, was a character who was played by Denise Crosby um, during the first season of Star Trek The Next Generation. Uh, before she asked um, that she be released from her contract um, from the, the series because she was... Um, unhappy with her character um, and she felt like her character Tashiar who um, was uh, the tactical officer of the the Enterprise had nothing to do that she wasn't being tested as an actor and she wanted off the show so um, uh, Gene Roddenberry who was the creator of Star Trek the original television series as well as uh, um, Star Trek The Next Generation agreed and um, Tashiar um, was killed in one of the episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation in the episode entitled Skin of Evil and um, subsequently uh, Denise Cosby left, left the show and uh, in her place Michael Dorn, who was already a part of the show um, as the character of Worf, he was um, promoted to a a series regular and he took the place of um, Tashiar as the new tactical officer of the USS Enterprise. So, um, Tashiar is dead. But with the immediate emergence of the USS Enterprise C in, uh, and creating a new reality, a new timeline, we discover that Tashiar is now alive. And she is still, she is the tactical officer of the USS Enterprise. And, of course, when you immediately watched, uh, if you, you hadn't seen this episode previously, then you wouldn't know any different you know um the 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 difference is the difference her her appearance wouldn't um mean as much as if you were already aware that Tashiar the character was dead but now she somehow was now alive and Lieutenant Worf um was nowhere to be found uh the counselor counselor Deanna Troy um um, 
uh, played by Marina Sirtis, uh, is nowhere to be found um, because she was prominent on the the Enterprise bridge as a, a counselor to Captain Jean Luc Picard. Uh, because, as I said, that the Enterprise D was intended to be a ship of peace, uh, a ship of exploration, and uh, Marina Sirtis's, um character of uh, Councillor Deanna Troy was always a a valued um, sounding board to the captain and um, being an empath she was um, able to assist uh, Captain Picard in his uh, missions of peace and exploration but she's nowhere to be found now in this new version of reality that has seemingly been created by the arrival of the USS Enterprise C um and I remember when I first saw this episode and I and I immediately because I knew that Tasha Yar had died um I was immediately um struck by the the profound impact of this character seemingly coming back from the dead somehow and throughout the episode of yesterday's enterprise we discover that her appearance is very profound but the only person the only person aboard the USS enterprise that knows that there is there is some kind of difference that there has been some kind of change uh by the arrival of the USS Enterprise C is that of the uh, bartender of the USS Enterprise of the the bar aboard the USS Enterprise D uh, which is called 10 forward and and the person who realizes something is wrong is the character of Guinan uh, who's played by the wonderful actress Whoopi Goldberg and um, Whoopi Goldberg uh, joined the cast of um, Star Trek The Next Generation in the second season, playing Guinan, uh, who is a very mysterious character. Uh, we come to find out in uh, subsequent um, uh, chapters of Star Trek, um, most notably um, the feature film Star Trek Generations, that Guinan is an an Elorian. She's from a a race, uh, a species um, known as uh, listeners. Uh, but they also have um, a very unique perception of reality. They are um, very mysterious. Even now, um, we we the viewers and Star Trek fans still do not know all there is to know about Elorians um, even though we've we've seen several Elor- members of the Elorian species uh, come uh, pop, up, pop up in in several episodes of Star Trek um, and Guinan of course though is the most prominent and she she immediately senses that reality has shifted but um, she she just shrugs it off at first because she just thinks oh hang on this don't worry there must be I must have I must be 
you know, there must be something, there's something different, but I don't know what it is, but she immediately knows something's different, and, um, yeah, following the appearance of the USS Enterprise C, Captain Picard and his crew, um, um, figure out that the starship is the preceding starship to their vessel, um, that the, the ship has seemingly travelled through time, 22 years into the future from their perspective, um, and they go, uh, an away team beams over to the Enterprise C to um, assist in repairs and um, investigate uh, if anyone has, uh, uh, any members of the crew have, um, have survived, and while there they uh, encounter the the captain of the USS Enterprise C, Captain Rachel Garrett, uh, who's played by Trisha O'Neill. They encounter the helmsman of the Enterprise C, uh, Richard uh, Castillo, who's played by Christopher McDonald. And um, they beam, uh, they transport um, several members of the Enterprise C's crew to the Enterprise D um, to. Um, aid them in their recovery um, and eventually Captain Picard explains to um, Captain Rachel Garrett that she and her crew uh, of the Enterprise C have travelled 22 years into the future um, and they disappeared they were reported to have disappeared at the Battle of Narendra 3 22 years previously in an encounter uh, with the Romulans and um, he uh, explains that the uh, temporal distortion the temporal rift that had been created potentially has been created by the weapons fire that had been um, had been fired during the battle of Narendra 3 and um and that it was a shame that the Enterprise, um, that at that point the Enterprise could not have done more in relations between the Klingons and the Federation, uh, because at the time, in this new reality, this new timeline, version, this new version of reality, the war, there was a war waging between the Klingons and the United Federation of Planets, as there has been for 20 years and at this point um, that the Klingons are winning this war uh, but Captain Picard doesn't reveal this till later in the episode to Captain Rachel Garrett but um, yeah they have taken over a great deal of the, the Federation the Klingons have um, as they have waged their war and um, yeah things are going very badly for the Federation. Um, and Guinan, uh, who is unable to shake this sense that something is wrong with reality, she goes to Captain Picard and she explains that she doesn't know how to explain it, but she knows that something is wrong with reality, that everything that is, everything around her, everything aboard the, the ship, Captain Picard himself, the crew, things have changed and it is all as a result of the Enterprise C coming through that temporal rift 
And um, at first, Captain Picard is hesitant to believe Guinan. Um, he's even angry that um, Guinan uh, um, tries to push Captain Picard in uh, sending the Enterprise C back through time, essentially to their deaths. And yeah, he's very reticent. But um, uh, Guinan and Captain Picard have a very personal relationship. Something, uh, yet again, we, we don't know all the, um, the ins and outs of it. Um, in a, uh, a, a subsequent episode uh, in, um, entitled uh, Time's Arrow, uh, part one and part two, um, in the, the sixth season and the seventh season, I believe, of, um, uh, or maybe the, the fifth season, the sixth season of Star Trek Next Generation. Uh, it's been a while since I saw that, that two-part episode. But in that, uh, we see Captain Picard and his senior staff travel back through time to the 19th century, uh, in which Guinan first meets Captain Picard. But of course, Captain Picard is already familiar with Guinan. But um, there is supposedly uh, another encounter after this, um, which precedes the events of um, Star Trek The Next Generation, uh, in which um, Captain Picard was there for Guinan, and uh, she helped, he helped her um, in a very profound way. And as a result, um, they have had they have enjoyed a very close and a personal relationship and this extends um, into this new version of reality and that is why uh, eventually Captain Picard is convinced to accept Guinan's intuition that things have changed and that um, there is a difference in the timeline and he subsequently uh, comes to the conclusion that it is the reason that things may potentially be different is because of the arrival of the Enterprise C and he explains this to his crew um, who have who question Guinan's intuition so that you can't that they basically argue with Captain Picard um, um, at the fact that he is willing to base um, his orders and his orders of potentially sending the Enterprise C back in time to their death based upon Guinan's intuition. But uh, as he explains to uh, Commander Riker um, and uh, the rest of his um, senior staff, um, he has no reason to question um, Guinan's intuition because she has always been had a wisdom to her um, and she if she says that something is different then he has every reason to trust her um, but um, and um, Lieutenant um, Richard Castile comes aboard the Enterprise D um, and he soon gets very close with Tashi R, uh, Lieutenant Tashi R. 
and um, because they were working very close on the repairs of the Enterprise C and um, while taking Lieutenant Castile on a, um, a tour of the USS Enterprise D, Tashiar goes into 10 forward where Guinan is bartender and she and Guinan Tashiar and Guinan have a very strange encounter in which Guinan looks at Tashiar and seems to uh, be familiar with her but also seems to be unfamiliar with her she gives her a look um, and even though she knows her name she knows uh, there's a look in her eye that says that there's something that she wants to say but she can't say and subsequently when uh, Captain Picard has explained to his senior staff that um, the Enterprise C must go back in time uh, because they don't belong in um, in this in this the time period in which they've arrived um, and after we, after a, a quip by um, Lieutenant Commander Geordie LaForge uh, he's played by LeVar Burton saying that who know basically questioning whether in the other timeline whether um, some members of the crew are dead or alive um, Tashiar hears this and this uh, instigates her deciding to go to Guinan to question Guinan about her intuition about her belief that the Enterprise C must go back in time and that their arrival in the year 2366 has created this alternate timeline and when she goes to the 10 forward to talk to Guinan Guinan um, basically says to Tashiar that um, that she's not supposed to be there she's supposed to be dead and Tasha is taken aback by this and she says I'm, how, how did I die in the other timeline and Guinan doesn't know this because Tashiar died um, in the first season and Guinan never joined the, the, the crew of the Enterprise nor the cast nor did Whoopi Goldberg join the cast until the second season but uh, we're led to believe that Guinan wasn't aboard the Enterprise when Tashiar died um, uh, a couple of years previously uh, but she and she explains she says um, she doesn't know exactly how she died but she knows that it was a, a senseless death it was a death without purpose and Tasha, as I say, is very taken aback by this, and this is what leads her to go to Captain Picard and speak with him about a transfer to the USS Enterprise C. And he immediately questions why she would do this, knowing that the Enterprise C was going was going to be returned to there to the year twenty three forty four. Uh, back to the battle with the, the Romulans 
and uh, Tasha explains to Captain Picard that she had a conversation with Guinan and during this conversation Guinan admitted that in the other version of the timeline the, the rightful version of the timeline Tasha is dead um, and she believes that joining the crew of the Enterprise C uh, and returning with them to the year 2344 um, would be something um, of consequence it would be even though the potentially the crew will be and the, the ship will be destroyed it is a better death it's a more honorable death for her and she she explains that she would rather die um, in battle for a cause that means something to her rather than to die senselessly um, and even though Captain Picard is reticent at first um, he uh, finally acquiesces to um, Tasha's um, uh, um, want to um, be transferred to the Enterprise C and um, he uh, he agrees and um, he allows her to transfer to the Enterprise C um, and when she arrives in the Enterprise C um, she uh, confronts Lieutenant Castile who is now in command of the Enterprise C um, because um, just before Tasha went to see um, Guinan to find out what it is about her that Guinan um, sees what she senses about her uh, there was an attack by a Klingon Cavort class battlecruiser against the Enterprise C uh, and the Enterprise D um, and during this attack the Enterprise C was damaged and a piece of shrapnel um, uh, killed uh, Captain Rachel Garrett and this left the Enterprise C without a captain um, However, um, as I said, Lieutenant um, Castile uh, stepped up to the plate and said that um, if they are to return to the Battle of Narendra III uh, 22 years previously through the time rift, then he will command the Enterprise. Um, and as I said, following Tasha speaking with Guinan and Tasha... Um, requesting a transfer uh, from Captain Picard uh, Tasha arrives aboard the bridge of the Enterprise C um, and takes the the helm station and uh, she becomes a part of the crew of the Enterprise C uh, as they prepare to enter the temporal rift and return to the year 2344 and not long after this um the three Klingon battlecruisers uh, approached the Enterprise D and the Enterprise C, uh, aiming their disruptors, uh, their very powerful weapons, at both ships, intending to destroy both of them. 
and um, as I indicated uh, at this point and this is something that Captain Picard explains to Captain Rachel Garrett previously uh, before before she died is that at this point the Federation is uh, basically at a point where they are planning to surrender to the Klingon Empire because the Klingon Empire has um, effectively invaded destroyed and taken over um, um, almost half of the Federation by this by this point Starfleet is um, not what it once it once was and uh, surrender is inevitable at this point um, and the Klingons if um, if this their attack aboard the uh, of the Enterprise D uh, is successful then basically um, victory for the Klingons will have been um, will have been won by them uh, however if the Enterprise C can return through the Temporal Rift to their original um, time, it is hoped that the Klingon War that has been waging for 20 years will not have even happened because it potentially the Klingons may see the assistance of the, the Enterprise C aiding them at a time of uh, um, attack to be a sign that the the Federation um, um, believes that peace believes in the sustained peace between the two of them and um, that is what really um, is the the push uh, for Captain Picard uh, to allow the Enterprise C to go back in time mostly uh knowing that they're going to their death that it's going to be a suicide mission but knowing that the ends will justify the means um, uh, and the the fight between the, the Klingon battlecruisers against the, the Enterprise is, uh, is um, very ferocious um, the weapon systems and the propulsion systems of the Enterprise D are severely damaged uh, leading almost to a warp core breach, uh, which essentially is the the warp core is the the engine of the Enterprise D, and um, because it has been breached, this will potentially lead to its destruction. Um, uh, but the Enterprise D holds on and defends the Enterprise C uh, as as well as it can. Uh, it destroys one of the Klingon battlecruisers. Uh, all just so that the Enterprise C can um, go through the temporal rift and return uh, unharmed to the year 2344. Um, and just at the point where the Enterprise D is surrounded by two Klingon battle cruisers um, that uh, remain um, following one of the the Klingon battlecruisers being destroyed by the Enterprise D. Uh, the Enterprise D is surrounded and is facing imminent destruction. However, at the last minute, the Enterprise C uh, goes through the temporal rift and immediately after 
they enter through and return to year 2344, reality snaps back to how it was previously. Um, essentially, the the last 20 years, the events of the last 20 years have been rewritten, and um, the events of the uh, the timeline have been restored. The Enterprise C uh, was destroyed at the Battle of Narendra III. Uh, however, uh, because of its sacrifice uh, in aid of this Klingon outpost, um, as uh, was recorded in history, it turns out that peace was sustained between the United Federation of Planets and the Klingon Empire and Lieutenant Commander Worf is once again a crew member aboard the Enterprise and as I said reality has been restored and Guinan knows this immediately um, she, she or, and she, she uh, sends a message um, she, automatic, she immediately communicates with Captain Picard and asks if everything is okay aboard the bridge and Captain Picard is a little puzzled by this, the fact that Guinan is calling the bridge asking if everything's okay and he replies saying yes everything's fine Guinan and she basically just says oh well just checking nothing to be concerned about and then after this uh, right at the end of the episode uh, we see Guinan sitting down at a table with Lieutenant Commander Geordie LaForge, played by LeVar Burton, and um, she then um, asks Geordie to tell her about Tasha Yar, and um, he, doesn't, he seems a little taken aback by this, uh, but we, the viewer, uh, get the feeling that um, Guinan re- retains some kind of knowledge from this alternate timeline that she has lived through. And now that she has met Tashiar and she knows that Tashiar still lives or she survived in an alternate timeline and subsequently. Uh, went back in time she now wants to find out even more about Tashiar and that is the the end of the episode and uh, what a fantastic episode what an incredible episode what a groundbreaking episode and what an, what a fan favourite uh, episode it is and what an incredibly written and produced and directed um, episode it is as well. Um, the, direct, the episode was directed by David Carson, uh, who is a, um, a great um, director. Uh, he um, directed the, um, the first um, Star Trek The Next Generation feature film, Star Trek Generations. Um, and he has directed some 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 really great uh, episodes of television, um, Star Trek included. Um, but uh, yeah, he's an incredible incredible director. 
and um, this episode is just exquisite in so many ways. Um, the story um, uh, came from a story by uh, uh, Trent Christopher uh, Ganino and Eric A. Uh, Stilwell, and the teleplay uh, was crafted by long-time uh, um, writers and producers uh, on Star Trek: The Next Generation. Uh, Ira Stephen Bear, uh, Richard Manning, Hans uh, Beamler and uh, Ronald D. Moore and um, the great music uh, um, was composed by uh, Dennis McCarthy and yeah um, as I say this episode Yesterday's Enterprise um, is a fan favourite for a lot of people uh, mainly because of the, the emotional impact that it has the revelation um, the, as I said, the groundbreaking concept of bringing back a, a character from the dead, essentially, in such a, um, a thought-provoking way, um, and the way that this episode uses time travel in a way that, before this episode, it hadn't been seen, um, in Star Trek or even on television, I think actually um, and the way that Tasha Yar got to have a different ending than the one that she had previously which um, was highly criticised by many fans of um, of the series in fact they saw that um, Denise Crosby's character of Tasha Yar's death in uh, Skin of Evil was um senseless um and the way that it happened was um was not well done um and but the way that she was able to be brought back in yesterday's enterprise um is uh just is just so wonderful and the way that the um in a way Tashiar's story was able to continue um, in subsequent episodes in a way um, yeah, during um, a, a two part episode entitled Unification uh, which featured Leonard Nimoy uh, we find out that um, Tashi R after she went back in time uh, with Enterprise C was uh, captured by the Romulans and Tashi R had a relationship with a Romulan, which led to her having a daughter uh, called Sela, uh, who would become a prominent uh, antagonist uh, to the uh, the Enterprise um, uh, crew. And um, yeah, that's a great two-part episode that I would uh, love to talk about in a future episode. Um, but uh, yeah great episode yesterday's enterprise and um there are so many other great episodes of star trek that i would love to talk about because um if you don't know uh, i am a, a big star trek fan and um i've been a fan as i say all my adult life and i've watched every episode and there is so many great stories um 
that uh, um, I know that uh, fans of Star Trek as well as uh, non-fans would enjoy uh, tremendously but uh, yeah I think I'm going to leave it there for now I just want to say thank you for listening I hope you like what you heard and uh, live long and prosper If you like what you heard in uh, this episode of uh, the Mark Hastings Experience, um, and if you want to check out some more of my poetry, um, then you uh, you can head over to markthepoet.me, uh, which is my website, and you'll find uh, lots of the poems that I've written over the years. Um, if you want to uh, check out some of my poetry uh, in uh, book form, uh, you can go to Amazon and you'll find um, all 10 of my books that I've had published. Um, they're all books of poetry, um, uh, books of stories, uh, books of uh, memories and uh, experiences. Um, and there'll be more to come. And uh, if you would love to um, contribute uh, to... Uh, to the podcast then you can do so by heading over to patreon and searching for mark the poet and uh your uh, your support would be greatly appreciated um but uh, as i was saying i hope you liked what you heard in this uh, episode um and i'll talk to you again soon